The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Well, welcome back into another episode of Story World. Steve Schramm here with... Alex, my boy Al, what's up, Your dog? boy Al, it's been a great week. How are you, sir? Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's it's fun uh, and exciting. I look forward to these nights just to hear you uh, call me your boy, and then that's yeah, uh, man. That's, uh, well, I'll tell you, I need about. we need shirts, right? Don't don't we oh, need some shirts? Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. I like. I'll have one, that, or no, um, I don't know. You you maybe I don't know. Maybe I have one that says well, that says you know yeah. There's like a you know how it's like you know you yeah, have one that, the, yeah like shirts yeah, that the... point or whatever you know. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, whatever. That's okay. More than anybody cared to to know or talk about. So uh, ironically, we're talking about how to make a story more interesting. Yes. Very much. We failed there. The but... Intro of our podcast. So we'll make up for. Um, We'll make up for it, I, I think. So this started out with five tips to make a story more interesting. But then when we were prepping our notes, Alec came to the table with, with five tips. And then I came to the table with five tips. So guess what? You get ten tips. A two-hour like episode coming at you. Yeah, right? Oh, no, no, no. Don't tell them that. They won't stay. You get a tip. You get a tip. You get a tip. Everybody gets tips. So we will try to move through these uh, swiftly and, uh, and just have fun with this one. Right. So this is, but this, but uh, while we're going to have fun with it, um, it is right. I mean, these we're, we're sharing these things for a reason, right? Because these are legitimate things that you can start using in your stories today. Again, whether you're the fiction guy or the nonfiction guy, something for both of you here. Um, and I think you'll find very interesting just in the way you tell your own stories um, and the stories that you are like, you know, writing for other people or, or just whatever. Um, this will help you to make everything more interesting, I think. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. yeah, I, I agree. And it, say even if it, you're used to telling a story a certain way, whether it's something that you've heard about or if you're reading about a story that happened, it might get you um, thinking about how that story could have been different if only this happened. Yeah. Or, and so it hopefully it'll get the gears turning and also be a really fun one. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, this is cool. So I'm, I'm going to let you uh, take it off. All right. First, I'll Alex, take the wheel. With, your, so, with your first tip. So my first one um, is. Uh, especially for fiction writing, although this this can definitely work for nonfiction as well, depending on the story you're telling, is um, switch characters or switch your point of view on who is viewing the story or telling the story. Um, so one thing that I do is at the beginning, uh, for example, especially the beginning of this book that I'm doing, I have really three main characters. I'm not quite sure yet. I kind of know where their stories go, but I'm not quite sure yet when... At specific points, I want to switch views from one to the other. So as I'm writing the beginning of the book, I'm actually switching views quite frequently between them, um, even though that probably won't be the case once I'm finished with my final draft. Um, 
I really want to see what the characters are thinking and how they're behaving and reacting and put the reader in their place throughout the beginning scenario and to see which one's best. And maybe I'll keep it that way. Maybe the beginning will be a little bit more effective if you kind of see it from a variety of angles going back and forth, or maybe that'll be too much and I should focus on one and then go to the other in the next chapter. But if you feel like you've gone a few chapters and you're, you've been stuck on this character, even if you only have one main character, maybe, maybe throw in a chapter that deals with another character, maybe a side character, just to show a different aspect of a story that maybe the readers, you think that they would find exciting that the main character doesn't quite know. Um, so uh, if you want to try to freshen up something of your story and you haven't switched points of view or you want to play around with that, um, you can always go back and re-edit. So just have fun with that. You know, Add a different character in there, or switch perspectives and see if that works. Yeah. No, I think that's cool. That's helpful advice because anytime you're following any one person's story for too long, yeah, I can get a little dry, right? That's that's good. Yeah, keeping it interesting. I think about um, in in like YouTube videos. I was actually just watching earlier a so that it was it was a really good hook, right? It drew me right in. It was a video from a guy who um, he is the editor for one of the biggest like YouTube channels that there is, and he's got like over five billion views, right? On wow. on edits on things that he's edited, and so it was a short video on like tips um, from this editor, right? On on different things that you should do in order to get these these views, and probably his biggest tip was just about keeping it about audience retention, mm -hmm. keeping it interesting, right? And so switching camera angles, switching perspectives, points of view. So I think that's a huge tip that works. Again, this is a nonfiction, like I'm talking about a nonfiction mm -hmm. scenario. Yeah. And you were presumably talking more fiction scenario, but they both work. Yeah, absolutely. Think about um, just an example. Sometimes you might see like a, like a live documentary that has live footage and say if that's from like a street angle view of a certain instance that's happening and then all of a sudden it switches and all of a sudden you're in someone's hand with their cell phone and you're right up close and personal i know it's more of a viewpoint rather than a character switch but it's always fun to switch up perspective and uh, that's just a great way to do it yeah steve yeah, what do you have for your first uh way to make a story exciting yeah so so i think what you should do is give your character a flaw that makes them more relatable give them a flaw that makes them more relatable now let me like take a second to zoom out and say that when i um so when you're in when you're doing when you're doing marketing um there's this concept of the attractive character and so any so all of mine are going to assume that i'm sort of using this way of thinking about things and what i the way i like to to make it more concrete is to think about an out of body experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. Think, think about you floated up out of your body. Cause it's really difficult for us as humans to think clearly and objectively about things that are close to us, namely mm -hmm. ourselves, right? It's, it's very hard, but it, it's like, even if you're talking about yourself, but you're talking about yourself over there, you know, like it's something yeah. else, it's easier to uh, objectify, right. And see in different, um, see in a different light. So, so everything that I'm going to say in terms of marketing assumes having this this concept of the attractive character there, where it's not like you're trying to be non-genuine to the people to to the audience that you have, right? You're not. You, you definitely want to be genuine. You want to be yourself, but 
at the same time, you have to realize that some things are more interesting to people than other things. And so yeah. there is a sense in which you are trying to pull out the most desirable elements of yourself and make them a part of your attractive character. And some of it's just thinking clearly about it. Like one of the elements of an attractive character is your parables, right? So it's your, it's your stories that you have, your stories of triumph, your stories of failure, right? Um, your the the or your origin story like how did you get started doing what you're doing right like things like that i'll go into this and so your attractive character should have a flaw or more right that makes them more uh, relatable and I, I told this story before but i'll reiterate it briefly and that is that in the um uh, marvel universe a lot of those characters, or, or I think that the Marvel universe, I'll say it this way, had a big advantage over the DC universe in that their characters were fundamentally relatable because they had flaws. They were they were like us. They were human. Um, you know, like again, Spider Man, right? I mean, Spider Man is this normal kid who gets bit by a spider and then his world changes. But like he's he still goes to high school and he's awkward and and he has you know, lunch, he has food thrown at him and he, right. I mean, and mm -hmm. now, and like in the transformation that he was taken through, like, and at first he was awkward because like he was a puny little run and like all these things. Then even after he got his superpowers, he was still awkward because now he was this totally different person. And like, if he took his shirt off, you know, he was ripped and you can see that or whatever, but like, he was still clumsy and awkward <laughs> yeah. and, um, you know, he wasn't on some sort of pedestal. That's that's the point. He was relatable because he had a flaw. So, you know, are, are you are you trying to make your character again, whether it be in your fiction story or whether it be in your, you know, the way you present yourself as the attractive character of your business? Like, are you trying to pretend to be somebody that you're not? You know, mm -hmm. practically speaking, like for in my sort of business, there's a real temptation to show up as some sort of expert who's like crossed the threshold, right? And you're all trying to like, you know, come to my level. Um, but a lot of people don't resonate with that kind of message because it doesn't feel relatable to them. It doesn't feel possible for them. Mm -hmm. And so they won't buy into the mission. So a flaw that makes them more relatable. Uh, that like, will make definitely make a story more interesting. I like that. And to just kind of um, add to that, um, a flaw that's relatable and a flaw that can actually really cause issues um that can create conflict in a story so oh that's good um yes. yeah like so a relatable flaw and granted you could take this to the extreme and it could create an issue but um pride is tends to be more of an internal thing granted it can affect those around us when it gets to an extreme situation but if you have a flaw instead of say consistently lying if you're a habitual liar or something that's maybe not super relatable to some people, but that's a very obvious flaw. And that will mm -hmm. obviously have consequences in the story. So if you can find a flaw that's one relatable and two um, that affects those around you and really creates, um, you know, that collision, um, that's a really effective way to deliver a flaw for a character. Oh, that's a huge point. I'm so glad you made that. I just took, I just, I just took that note for myself. I oh, perfect. To remember that because con yeah, Excellent. conflict. Yeah. Right, like we talked about the other week. Right, conflict is where it all comes down. Like that's yep. that's fundamentally. And what's funny is, I don't think I'm not sure that either of us wrote that in our notes. But I don't that's think almost, so. <laughs> that's almost fundamentally yep. what makes a story as interesting in the first place. Is some it sort is. of conflict. Absolutely. A story. We should maybe just go ahead and say that. Right, a story yes. is not interesting. Make sure your story has some conflict. Sort of conflict. 
Yeah. If your story doesn't yeah, have conflict, a, add it. <laughs> if you don't have a story, right? Maybe yes. that should be an assumption. So anyway, yeah. My, All right, cool. My, so what's what's number two for you? My second point doesn't necessarily necessarily deal with conflict, but um, it's a add an action event. I kind of worded that okay. weird, but what I mean by that is especially in the middle part of the book where you're developing the story. And even if you're developing it well, sometimes there can be a little slog in the middle where it's just kind of trampling along and you might start feeling a little bit bored of your writing or thinking, man, is this actually good? It's been, you know, taking a while. This characters have been here a while. Um, throw in an action. Um, you know, thinking from my mindset of a fictional story, have a, have the house catch on fire where they're in for it. Maybe someone set it on fire to kill them. And it's an assassin sent to them, throw that into your story and work that in somehow. Or um, I don't know, maybe, maybe a, uh, a villain sidekick ends up discovering a special power that he got and he, that he, that he receives and ends up breaking away from the main villain and um, decides to hunt for the main characters himself. And he shows up and have like a mini climax uh, in the middle of the story. And yeah. you can go from simple to something you know drastic that might even change the story a little bit but think of uh just some way to switch it up a little bit um it's your story you know unless you're writing a biography or something it's your story to create as you will so throw in something a little yeah. bit interesting and if you don't like it later change it or take it out but if it helps especially man it does a lot to the psyche too if it helps you keep going if you think of just a fun scene to write and if, even if you don't know how it quite ties into what you want to eventually tell at the end throw in something fun, throw in something actionable that uh, creates a little bit of tension in there. Yeah. Oh, this is, no, this is great. And uh, so to bring it over to my uh, corner, right. It's, it's like, that is it, uh, one of the biggest problems that we have in the marketing world is boring. Like mm. when there's no, there's no action. Um, right. There's not right? like, you're not asking them to do anything like this has to be the number one flaw that I see in most people's marketing. It's like one of my clients, you know, he's great to work with, et cetera, but like he, and I've told him this, right. Literally told him this, you know, we've had this discussion and it's like, man, you do great work. Like, it looks like you've got the most amazing thing here and you're, you're like trying to get it in front of people, but you're never asking anybody to take yeah. action on it. You're never yeah. trying to yeah. stir the pot and get somebody to do something. Right. Somebody has to do something for the story to move along and to be interesting. And so, yeah, right. Like bring, bring. So I see what you're saying definitely applies a little differently in fiction than it does in nonfiction. But um, the point is still the same overarching, right? Like and add something, something needs to happen. And we've, um, of course, we've covered this topic quite a bit. But if you are writing a marketing book or anything that's like really like instructional, it helps tremendously for people like me who don't necessarily um, dig deep into that stuff and, you know, gobble it up as much as other things. If you can tell a story because stories are very relatable yeah. and we've talked about that as stuff we, we all should know, but add in the story heck at the beginning mm -hmm. of each chapter to lead into the topic you're going to be discussing. If you can tell an yeah. interesting story and relate that to what you're going to be talking about, that goes a long mm. way. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah, totally. Steve, you're right. number two. Yes, sir. So introduce an intense desire that the character wants. Mm. I'm going to read that again because That's it's all, one. it's all important. Introduce an intense desire that the character wants. So we have to pay attention very closely to the words desire and want um and we, we were actually talking about this before we recorded a little bit but but just to kind of let people in so 
um, when you're when you're when you're talking about anything, right? I mean, yes, it. Uh, I think we can relate this to both marketing, nonfiction, and fiction very easily, um, and that is, people are not very interested by what they need. If we're talking directly into um, marketing, you know, kind of thoughts, when it comes to stuff that people need, usually they're going for the cheapest price possible because they don't. Right. Nobody likes to spend money on stuff they need. So they're going for the cheapest price possible. But then, mm-hmm. yeah, they're pissed off about it. <laughs> so they're pissed and they're trying to get the cheapest price yeah. um, because it's something that they need. But if you can give them or, or, or dangle in front of them something that they want and something that they desire, then they will go through whatever they need to go through. Mm-hmm. They will dig up whatever they need to dig up. They will make it happen because they so badly want it to happen and so all stories um especially like again as a marketer like creating that story of of the of of, of the hero's journey or whatever with your customer or your client as the hero um that ultimately they have to want something if they don't want whatever it is as it relates to your product or service then they're never gonna buy it or if they do buy it again you're gonna you're not gonna make very much money and or you just have to be, you know, you have to be in the commodity business. I mean, I'm sure Walmart does just fine, but they're still in the commodity business. You know what I mean? So it's like, you're not going to be Walmart. You know, they have scale that they can help to make up for people driving to the lowest price. Um, we don't have that, right? Most people, mm-hmm. who, you know, under the sound of our voice don't have that, right? So we have to trade on being able to charge more for something that somebody wants and in a sense, dangle the carrot uh, in front of them. At the same time, I, I think of, um, great, you know, great story. Like one of my favorite movies is, um, I haven't seen it in so long is John Q. And that's a, an example of a movie. If you don't know the basic, super basic premise is, you know, dude's son is in a hospital and the guy, like it takes the hospital, I think hostage. Right. Um, and like all kinds of different things to, to, in order to get the end result. And yeah, he needed that, but also like he wanted to save his son. And so like there was that intense desire. He was willing to go through whatever it was to make another, you know, maybe a lighter analogy in the real world. How many people right now are complaining about gas prices? And then the, like on one day they're filling up and complaining about their gas price. But then the next day they go and they spend that same amount of money, if not more, at a nice dinner at a nice restaurant where they could have had a modest meal at the house. Now yeah. I'm not saying that, you know, it's whatever. I understand that there are special circumstances and, and stuff like that. The point remains that they're looking for the cheapest gas and they're pissed off even when they have to pay for that. Cause they don't want to be paying for gas anyway, let alone at $4 a gallon or, or, or whatever, wherever you are listening where we are, it's about $4 a gallon. Um, they need that and they're pissed about it, but yet they they'll spend that on dinner no problem because they want that or they'll buy whatever yeah, thing on a, Amazon because they want that. That's a so, really good point. Yeah, so it, it does make a big a big difference. Now again, in fiction, I think I think I think it's interesting, right? Like I'm trying to think of some other examples, like Lord of the Rings and and stuff like that. Like you you sort of, in a sense, there's it's a it's a need, but it's it's not. I don't know. It's not a need in the same way as like toilet paper, you know, is a, is a need, you know, it's, it's something different. And, and I do think at a certain point, and maybe you're the fiction guy, maybe you can provide your perspective on that, you know, as it relates to fiction stories, giving, giving something 
that the character wants versus what the character needs. What are your just general thoughts on that? So it's not a specific example, but yeah, when you're writing a story, um, it's always nice when you can create a desire for the character for them to move out of their comfort zone and give them a call to action. Um, yeah, I guess on a lesser level, um, it, in Lord of the Rings, you know, Frodo's objective was to bring the ring to to breed to meet Gandalf, and then it was to bring it to Rivendell. Um, of course, he was carried there halfway because he was stabbed. But anyway, once he healed up and he decided to take the ring himself, and so that was a, you know, that was a want or a desire that it, technically he didn't need to do that he didn't need to offer to take the ring there were much more powerful people there that granted they would have taken it could have caused more troubles but there were other people that could have very well volunteered or took the ring instead of him but that was something that that pushed him over so it's always and he's a hobbit so it's really it creates a perfect story where you give that person a want or desire that's um that ends up being not totally unnatural to them. They obviously have to have the disposition that they would act on something anyway, but that um, might seem um, unnatural at first and to bring them out of their comfort zone. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it does make sense. And in fact, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to now, right? Like this is again, part of the point of this is I'm trying to leverage, <laughs> like how would I leverage that? Right. Like in, yeah. in, in in marketing right like how could i how could i bring how could i give somebody that call to adventure so to speak mm -hmm. to bring them out of their of their comfort zone because in a sense it's like if somebody is is like if you're just offering okay and this is part of like again message to market match in marketing but it's like if you're offering somebody something but they don't yet realize they want or need it. Then you have just no hope. Like you have to actually mm -hmm. educate them into the want or the need. And so what does it look like to draw somebody first out of their comfort zone and, and, and sort of feel like almost give them a mission, you know, give them something to fight for or whatever. And then your product or service answers that. Um, Man, you know what? Yeah. I think a perfect example we talked about before is with Matthew McConaughey and Lincoln, how, Maybe mm. people were, you know, probably in the market looking around for a top class SUV. But then when they saw that, they said, wow, I really need a Lincoln. Like, that's the persona I want. Yeah. So it's about yeah. putting that person literally, especially like I'm really into actually selling a product and getting a person to buy a service or a product that you're offering them mm. and mm. putting them in that perspective to get their mind from, Oh, I don't need that to, wow, I can envision that now. And that's exactly what I want. Um, so, so it's all creating that image. So in story terms, um, if I say like the inciting incident, right? Like, does that make sense? Like, is that, is that maybe something that like you would use to put, to draw people out or is that a different thing in inciting incident you I mean just like, just like a call is it just like a call to action it sounds similar yeah yeah, but yeah, yeah but like some yeah. right some sort of incident like that yeah. incites the yeah yeah yeah, so it's yeah. Just the call to action, well that's what that's what happens in a lot of books too to get them started is is an incident that that happens yeah like they're forced to do something too 
Yeah. Yeah. Like I think, you know, for me, like uh, what sparked my weight loss journey was being kicked off of a roller coaster because I was too fat to get in the bar. Right. So yes. yeah, that was my inciting. That was the inciting incident of that story for me. So how do you give that to somebody else is, is yeah. What's interesting to me. So man, um, if someone three, can answer Alex, all those questions, Steve, if someone can answer all those questions, then give that man as much money as he wants. Cause he right? yep, all the marketing sure. problems in the world. <laughs> thousand thousand percent. All right. All I right. want to hear your number three. My third one. I, it's a different one. So my third one is throw in a flashback and I probably shouldn't have said that it's hard to just throw in a flashback. Cause I, then I added, <laughs> I realized that and I added a note that says must reveal something about the character or story. So I guess when I say throw in a flashback, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean, Oh, I'm going to throw in the flashback here be to change it up. You, this one takes a little bit more thought and uh, carefulness with it. So an example is Sanderson and his, um, particularly in his Stormlight Archive series, every book, I don't know how often a flashback happens, every few chapters or so, but it takes up a full chapter and he does flashbacks to give you great context to one of the main character's backstory. So in every book, you know about either that person's childhood or what made them who they are. And it works so effectively. Um, it's it's he does it so perfectly well and so if you do decide hey i think throwing in some flashbacks here or a flashback can make this more interesting um it takes a little bit more planning than just throwing in a random action item or switching character points of views you really do have to kind of think about is there something i want to reveal to the reader about this character so they understand the main character more or a, a great example, I don't know if anyone has seen Quentin Tarantino's movies, but um, The Hateful Eight does it pretty well, and he does it in other movies too, but you get to the end of the movie, and all of a sudden you see a flashback on kind of how things are really set up um, at this mm -hmm. place where they're at, and it just it just kind of excites you quite a bit. And then also one of my favorite movies, The Prestige, does that very well. Um, flashbacks can be very effective, so that's why I say... Don't just throw in a flashback. I probably shouldn't use that terminology, but if you think that yeah. you can pull it off well and it takes a little bit of practice, um, it could be well worthwhile to incorporate that in your story. Yeah, no, I love that. That's that's one of my favorite, I think, devices in mm -hmm. um, in fiction. Mine too, absolutely. Um, it, because yeah, I mean, it's and and and. I guess what's frustrating about it is it's like sometimes it's very obviously done well and then sometimes it's very obviously <laughs> done poorly. Um, the the single I, I love when it's done so well that I can just barely even tell that it's a flashback. And when it's finally like when it finally is made obvious, yep. you know, it's like, oh, how cool. Have you have you read Harry Potter or watched Harry Potter? You Are know, you a Potter person? very, very little. I think I would be. I would love to so, actually get into it. Well, we should read them sometime. Um, it's been a while since I've read them, but at least watch them. But um, if you know, you know, in the last movie and last book, it's probably the best um, flashback sequence ever. And it just. Wow, it, really? It, you know, and I and I, a lot of people would agree on me of that, um, just of how effective it was at completing a story and a character. And it was it blew my mind. It still blows my mind to this day. So flashbacks can wow. be oh, it, when used right. It can be just amazingly effective mm. huge well, I, huge addition to storytelling I, i'll tell you a movie that i liked and, and i don't know i almost feel um like like there are some movies where i'm kind of like i know i liked it but like i don't know if like i could be getting ready to say this movie and you'd be like oh don't you know that's like the worst movie ever I, I, <laughs> so with that caveat okay this is okay. a movie that i grew up with that i 
um, somebody, yeah, I, I forget even exactly who it was, but somebody told me about it and I watched it and didn't really hear too many people talk about it. Um, and that's maybe the reason for my hesitancy, but it's the movie Paycheck with Ben Affleck. Did you see this? Mm, I, you see I have this not movie? seen it. Nope. Okay. Um, so it's a 2003 movie, um, Ben Affleck, but it's based on a, um, uh, it's like an Alfred Hitchcock style thing, mm-hmm. it, it looks like. And it's based on uh, the 1953 short story called Paycheck. Um, it's got it's got everybody, right? Ben Affleck, uh, Uma Thurman, Aaron Eckhart, Paul Giamatti. Um, yeah, lots, lots of good, <laughs> good names old Paul in there. Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. He's always uh, – he's one of those interesting – yeah, he's interesting. Yeah. Um, he's always great, um, too, in whatever role he's in. He's great. In I know. Opinion. Yeah, no, I, he does a he does a great job, and uh, he's also really good at, at being the character that like he's really good at making you not like him, but mm. like that makes you like him, like yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's weird. Uh, in the story, you don't like him, but then as an actor, you're like, oh man, yeah. this is actually pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, so paycheck. I, so again, I won't spoil it, but it it does it does. I mean, the whole movie is like like the flashbacks are a very important part mm-hmm. of the of the entire narrative driving forward and so i always like it when 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 that is done because i do feel like it's an art form like if that's not done well and your entire movie depends on it being done well then you've got problems um yeah. and and because of the this is why fiction is so cool like because of the circumstances of the story like his flashbacks are not like just anybody's flashbacks i'll just leave it at that they're gotcha. important yeah. flashbacks that are intentional um and real and so um yeah we need to watch it sometimes super duper cool uh, movie i think uh so we'll cool. add that to the list yeah absolutely. okay yeah all right uh okay so i'll go with my number three um and, and so this this is maybe this is maybe one of the most important things in marketing, uh, maybe the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so entice the reader with curiosity. And again, when I say marketing, um, I also have a saying everything is marketing. So this, mm-hmm. I think, definitely applies in your fiction as well. Um, you know, it, ultimately, if your story gets boring, people aren't going to read it. Right. So something has to, to keep drawing them back and enticing them. And um, um, humans are fundamentally curious. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. We, like curiosity killed the cat but like it also killed the human right like we 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 thrive on curiosity um because we we just just want to know what's behind door number three you know like things yeah we well we like to know things and more than even liking to know things we hate when things are held back from us like have you ever mm. been in a? I'm sure you have. Everybody has, right? In a scenario where somebody like starts to tell something and then they stop and they say, "Well, no." And then it's like, <laughs> you're like, "No, you gotta no, tell me." No, you have to say it now. Like, yeah. and then I hate when people do that to me. And I, I, I don't think out of out of a matter of ethics, I don't think I could ever do that to somebody. I'm like, and- I can't make you be in pain like that well over half the fun too is the curiosity. I'm thinking like if something happens at work and you say, "Oh, mm-hmm. I, that's kind of weird." It's almost like fun or thinking about what could be happening behind the scenes rather than actually yeah. knowing, if I'm being honest, yeah. you know? It's like, oh, it could be mm-hmm. this. I wonder what they're talking about. And it just makes, yeah, curiosity, it makes things fun. Yeah, 100%. And and so when you're doing, so when you're doing marketing, um, the, the one place where curiosity thrives, unlike any other, is in what's called the hook. So the hook mm. or the headline so if you're writing a sales letter type of thing it's it's basically at the top of the sales letter whatever your headline is there your hook there um most of the time that needs to 
really push on that curiosity button because if people if people sort of get the gist by just reading the headline, a lot of times they won't continue. And the mm. only point of a headline is to get them to read the next line. And then the point of that line is to get them to read yep. the next line, right? Yep. And so on and so forth um, to a degree. So are you – like? In, so question for reflection, like – are you giving away too much? Are you spilling too many of the beans, you know, too early? Are you are you are you saying things either too soon or at all that should be left either unsaid or for later? Like, should you you know string people along for a little bit longer and and make them wonder and introduce mystery, um, you know? And that like again to go back to marketing when you're testing, a lot of times you'll test um, headlines and hooks are probably the thing more than any other that you test because the results from one to the next could be so, so drastic. Like it, it's really amazing. Mm -hmm. Actually, there was one specific example of a, a company who they, what they were doing is they were trying to get leads onto a webinar to teach. It was a sales webinar. And the, so the two, the two guys, their company taught marketing agencies how to, how to add a review program to their to their marketing. And so we actually do this. We 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 have a program where we can help people get more um, four and five star Google reviews. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so it's the people who've like you know sort of invented this particular program. Um, whenever they're trying to sell it to agencies, they had this webinar they were trying to get them on, and they were spending like. $25 per webinar registrant to get somebody on the webinar, which is just a ton. And they were seeing very, very low show up rates as well. All they did was change the headline to make it more curiosity based because the first one was telling them how to get more five star reviews on Google. Mm -hmm. And so when they, when they, so it was like, okay, well, uh, I kind of already know how to do that or either right. like, I'm not really interested in learning that or whatever. So it took a lot of money to get somebody to actually mm -hmm. come in and sign up through advertising. When they changed it to curiosity based, I, there's no way I'll remember the specific headline, but basically what they did was, Hey, here's this thing that's going to completely turn your business around. Um, and it's not. And then they listed all the things that somebody mm -hmm. probably thought it was. Um, but said it's not this, not this, not this, not this, not this. And so by the time you read the end of the end of the list, you're like, I what? have to know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Their their webinar, I do remember this one number is that their I think they went from $25 per registrant to basically five dollars mm -hmm. per registrant. So their cost to get somebody on the webinar went way down. Their show up rate mm -hmm. skyrocketed, I think, from something like between six to ten percent all the way up to like thirty to thirty-five percent. So they were spending way less people to get way less money to get people into the webinar, and then way more people were showing up all based on nothing other than changing that headline to make it more curious. Wow. So mm. curiosity is powerful. I, I have uh so it just ties in. It's funny. We have enough episodes now where we can tie into stuff we've already talked about. I think it, with the curiosity aspect, I think that that might be the, the most important thing that is on either on our list, especially when it relates to the marketing side is enticing the rear curiosity. But remember what we've talked about in past is you have to have a payoff for your reader. And so yeah. uh, a couple examples here is at least for me, from someone who's not necessarily into marketing, but enjoys it. If it's told effectively, some of my favorite ways that I've read books that um, communicate, you know, instructionally 
is when there is a story, a single story that is broken up and told in different chapters throughout the book. So for instance, chapter one might deal with the beginning of the story and then the chapter will relate to that. And then you continue with the story. And then finally, the last chapter of the book, you deal with the ending of the story. So you get the full picture and every chapter you look forward to that story being retold because you want to hear the end. And then you're also learning about it as you go. And that applies to whatever the book is about. That to me is a huge payoff and it's very effective in talking about what you want to do. I have also seen though, it um fail uh and specifically i'm I'm also i'm kind of thinking about uh, preachers at the pulpit where sometimes they will start out with a story and yeah. and then they kind of go into their message and you think okay i can't wait for this to you know what's it going to end with and sometimes the preacher will get a little bit long-winded and the curiosity kind of fades away because you forget about it and then yeah, it, yeah. I, so i've had that and on one occasion there was a start to a story I don't know if he forgot about it or what. And at the end of his message did not finish the story. And for about, Oh my word. I think the whole rest of the month, like for the next couple of weeks, I just thought it was, I forget what it was too now, but it was so interesting. And at the end I was, I was so upset because I was like, I really want to know how that story ended. And he just totally didn't. So make sure there's a payoff uh, when you're doing curiosity, whether it's a call to action, whether it's finishing a story and try to find you know effective methods to do it man yeah that's pretty darn crazy yeah um all right shall we move on we shall we shall um so number my number four uh i think another one i worded weird but i guess kind of makes sense give the character a bone to chew on um so <laughs> how i'm thinking of of that and maybe i worded it wrong is um, if the character, especially in the middle of the book, if the character you're trying to get them to progress, say like in their magic system, if you're trying to get them to grasp that more, or if it's a detective series, they're trying to figure out a crime, get the story moving. I'm throwing, throw them a bone, say, Hey, here's something that you can use, whether it's, they discover something about their power that they previously uh, misunderstood or couldn't use, or there is a, there's a, uh, part of a mystery or crime and they're missing like a certain piece of evidence and they're trying to find it at some point. If you think, if you feel like it's stalling, if you feel like you've been in a place too long, just get the story going, find a creative way to, to, you know, boost the story forward, get them to experience something new and to further their power, their knowledge or ability and, and keep the story going. Yeah. That's a, that's a quick one, but that's all I have to say really about that one. No, I mean, I, well, um, I guess I'll just, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just add one quick thing, and that is that characters develop over time. Yeah, absolutely. Like, people change. And, and so, like, for your story to ignore the fact that people change is no good. And especially if you're a marketer, like, yeah. actually, you want to be the change in a sense. Like, you want to catalyze the change. And so, yeah, you should, you should all the time in that sense be giving them a bone to chew on because that's how you – that's how people become – well, that, that's the point of character transformation, right? That's how people yep. become something else. And in, with your products and services, again, in my world, that's what you're trying to do. It's help somebody become a different person. Like, you're, you know, let's say you have a dog kennel service. Like, yeah, okay, you want Fido to, to have somewhere to go. Um, but it's more than that, right? Especially yep. if it's like a high-scale place, you know, where it's like one of those doggy daycare things or, or whatever. Like, you you can say all you want that you're doing it for Fido, but at the end of the day, it's a it's a pride thing that 
that you can do that, like that you have the like, and so to not yeah. tap into that as a marketer is silly because it's what people are already thinking. Absolutely. Um, anyway, you know, and, everybody and I say, wants to and, feel good about themselves. And I say, give the character bonus you want. And kind of the Steve's point is how character development works. You should be giving them at least a treat every chapter, you know, have, have that yeah. development, you know, progress. There yeah. should be, there should never, I hate saying the word never, but I think that there should never be a chapter where there is no progression in either character development or story progression. There has mm -hmm. to be something that is happening in each chapter or else. It's just, it's just wasted space. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, good. Yeah. That's succinct, but, um, I think, I think solid. So let me give you, um, real quick before I dive into my next one, I want to circle yeah, sure. back to curiosity real quick because I yeah. found and screen and screenshotted, um, the difference in those two headlines and i think it might be instructive um yeah absolutely so so the for the for the story i was referencing a minute ago so the first headline the one that wasn't working and it was taking a a, a lot of money and uh, they weren't getting very good results with it the first headline was this how to add six figures to your web design business by copying my secret method for helping companies get more real five-star reviews without selling spending lots of time or money um, so that's pretty good. I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, it's, I've, I've seen way worse headlines. Hey, buy my thing. Right. Like they're, yeah. they're way worse. Um, and so, but that one still was not performing very well. So this is the one that beat it. How I added six figures to my web company by adding this one easy to offer service that doesn't require cold calling, spending lots of time, money, or require extra resources. And no, it's not. Facebook ads, SEO, email marketing, mm -hmm. websites, social media, graphic design, digital marketing, photography, or video. Join live and we'll share our strategy that will allow you to generate quality leads while on the webinar. The current record is 15 leads in, in 58 minutes. <laughs> You're just like. That's, like, again, uh, that's yeah, that's much only, more effective. Yes, I mean it's I mean, going to speak to certain people. Don't get me wrong, but like right. if, if that if that's the thing that you're there looking for, you are a thousand times more likely to respond. It to absolutely makes you wonder, one. like, oh, okay, if it's not any of those things, what the heck can it be? It, exactly, it, it's mm -hmm. very effective. Absolutely, right. And so, and so, this is why, as a marketer, it's frustrating. You know, when you see advertising and marketing, that amounts to nothing more than buy my thing. It's really shiny. Like, you know, it's a promise, you know, uh, it takes work, right? Because people, oh, yeah. people are so, yeah, you have to, you have to defeat people's impulses um, or, or, mm -hmm. or lack of impulse rather. You have to activate within <laughs> yeah, them yeah. an active, you know, an impulse. Um, and because otherwise they're just going to sit on the couch and keep watching TV. Um, so anyway. Okay. So with that. Number four for me is to make sure that your main character is not boring. They must have an opinion. Mm. Okay. What a great so, one. Yeah. I think, I, I think this is helpful. They, they have to be polarizing. And I think this yeah. is definitely true in, in both fiction and nonfiction. And I'm, I'm sure there are exceptions in both cases. Um, you know, for example, I know, I know one guy who is a fantastic marketer, um, but he's not a marketer. He's actually just a Christian author and radio host. Um, you know, Greg Kokel. You're actually reading one of his books, I think, right now. Yep. Yep. And, um, um, and 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 he actually his reputation is for being middle of the road. But but in his in his niche, he, it's almost like the fact that he is middle of the road is polarizing, uh, which is kind of just interesting. But they can't be boring. Like like you have to come down hard somewhere. Um, or else you just won't be interesting. People just won't pay attention to you. 
And, you know, again, without, without going, you know, we went really political the last episode or two, so we won't go there this time, but like, again, it's undeniable that president Trump was a, he was, he, of all the things that he was, he was not boring. He was right. He was, he was newsworthy, um, whether for good coverage or bad. And, um, and, it's for no other reason than that he has an opinion and some people love him for the opinion and some people hate him for the opinion, but there are very, there's very few who are in the middle and the ones that are in the middle aren't passionate enough to either to, to cause a stir either way. Wasn't um, there so, a debate where he did not participate and the ratings were down or he, or he um, wasn't going to participate. Yeah, It was something it was, like that. And I thought that he just didn't participate in, I think that I didn't watch that debate. <laughs> I I think the debates get muddled anyway. Yeah. But when it was Donald Trump, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm going to watch it because some crazy stuff is going to happen. Exactly. And without that yeah. factor. So, yeah. 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 It's like, well, he's not going to be there. So who cares? Like, what's, you know, you know they're just going to politic along, you know. And, and you're right. The important thing is they must have an opinion because Trump's always got an opinion. Even if oh, it's yeah. even if about it's, everything, even if it's crazy or it's off the walls or he articulates yeah. it incorrectly, he's got mm-hmm. an opinion and he's going to say it. Exactly and right. Mm-hmm. If you get someone up there, even if they're passionate, they say, "Well, we're just going to have to wait and see and make a good decision about that." Yeah, and it's like, okay, well, all right, what's yeah. the next guy going to say? <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 like I, I reminded. So this morning, right, I was I was getting my vehicle inspected, and I don't just sit around and watch the news. But anyway, this place I was at, Fox News was on, and they were they were covering a story where this this um I don't want to miss the details, but but. I think it was Virginia that it was a state prosecutor's son was he pleaded guilty to raping three underage girls, one of whom committed suicide, Um, totally pleaded guilty to it and everything. And the guy got five years probation, no jail time. Oh my word! What and the... and yes, that is outrageous. I'm just I'm like that's my opinion, right? It is outrageous. Um, and they had they had Nancy Grace. Um, they interviewed Nancy Grace, who's like a, a journal, you know, a, a pretty well known. Like she's got her own show and everything, and she's a pretty. And she was super like she was just fiery, man. She was she was on there just oh, totally yeah. blasting. Like I cannot even believe this is a a freaking outrage. Like I cannot believe it. you know yeah. And I'm like you know like. Again, I'm just trying to learn lessons from everything mm-hmm. I see. And I saw that and I'm like, man, that is it. Like that's it right there. Like you could have brought you could have brought somebody on who was even keel or whatever, but you know what? They brought on the person who they knew would mm-hmm. get other people's blood boiling just by hearing her talk about the situation yeah. and be so intense about it. Um, and that's why right, that's why she's got a TV show and and we don't like, you know, she's you know, mm-hmm. she's interesting, right? She's got that, she's got that factor. And so Right. How can in your story, how can you how can you do that? How can you make sure that your character, especially your main character, you know, isn't isn't boring? They have to plant their flag in the ground somewhere and Mm -hmm. and have an opinion and and be a little. The word is polarizing. They have to be a little polarizing. And that word polar, um, it basically just means it has to do with like, you know, magnets and things like that. So you're going to attract people to you who are like you. But then the polarity is going to is going to reverse. It, it's it's yeah. it's going to push people away um, that that won't like you. And so one way of putting yeah. this in marketing is your vibe attracts your tribe. Okay, there are going to be people who listen to you that would never listen to me, and vice versa, just because they are you know they 
that they're, it matches their worldview or the way they think about things or their philosophy or whatever. And so we can do this in our stories. Yeah, and uh, to kind of mention something about fiction writing too, um, obviously it, it's kind of weird how we're saying make realistic characters, but also have something polarizing about them or have them have strong opinions. And one way to kind of mix doing that, if you will, is if you do want to have a character who's very reasonable down the road, or even if you want a lot of your characters to just add a little bit of salt one way or the other um, to make mm -hmm. them that much, a little bit more leaning um, that way. Um, whether it's um, uh, let's just go just because the easier route, let's just say you have a couple political characters who are arguing or fighting. Um, if they're kind of, literally you know if they're down the road and you want them to be agreeable well maybe have one a little bit be more passionate about one subject than the other and have the other person have the opposite passion just a little bit and that could create some discontent there so even if you have a character yeah. who's relatively normal um we all have opinions and just kind of play in favor of those opinions a little bit when you're writing when you're writing them for sure i think that's i think that's great nothing uh, nothing to add to that so very cool all right uh my last one i use the specific terminology terminology try try out a twist um mm. and the reason why i say that is because a lot of times uh twists in story will kind of come to you you'll be writing and you'll think oh wow i could throw this in there and no one would be expecting it um, throwing a twist in there for the sake of it is not good, but if you can tie something into it and make it work, twists are amazing. Um, so the reason why I put in try out a twist is, man, if you're really slogged down and you're trying to find a way to liven up the story, um, even if it's a little crazy, throw a twist in there. Um, maybe one of maybe not one of the main characters, but maybe a character that's been kind of nice to them is just all of a sudden evil. Maybe you don't know exactly why yet, mm -hmm. but maybe you know, throw, throw them evil, write a chapter or so that way. And then maybe something will come to you about how that could be, or maybe you'll see another area that comes up. So this is kind of more of a, I, I almost recommend, it's funny. I kind of recommend against just throwing in a twist for the sake of it. But man, if you want to try to spice something up, if you're really having a mental block, just for an exercise, throw a twist in there and just, and just see where it goes. You might have something, or it might spark some motivation into another line and you'll get going in another direction. So, um, yeah, throw in a twist and just kind of see what happens. See if it sparks something in your mind or if it's a great twist, run with it. And if not scrap it and write another twist or go another route. Yeah. So what's interesting about this, I love that. I think that's a great idea. What's interesting about this and what makes it a good idea is that if this happens in real life, and so in nonfiction, <laughs> like in, in my kind of writing, in my world, um, you usually don't like you don't make a twist happen. A twist happens to you. Uh, you're like, <laughs> yes. like it's you are the one in life and in business or whatever the the case may be that has to deal yep. with the oncoming. Um, twist and so it's like if you're writing nonfiction, for example it's kind of hard for you to put the twist in the story because like that the, the, you only get to report so to speak on the twist if the twist is already there um, right you know if there's a surprising you know like like maybe there's a surprising fact or something like that that most people would be would be like a, a statistic or something that they would be shocked to find out that's right. a, you know that's a that's a twist like like for example Again, like we talked about this before, but because of some people's experiences, maybe that maybe they perceive that an injustice has been done in some way against a people group or something. But like when you look at the data, it's actually like that's not how it goes. And so that sort of thing can 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 be a twist. Otherwise, I would just say it's all about how you 
you know, how you react to them. Um, mm -hmm. One way that I'm thinking about um, um, a, a twist in marketing is you can actually, th this is actually one of my favorite things to, to, to do um, or to, to make an exercise out of is you can take almost any bad thing about your, about whatever your product, your service mm -hmm. or whatever, almost any bad thing or negative, not, not bad, like morally bad, but almost any perceived right. negative thing can be shifted into a perceived positive. So a fantastic example is, so I deal with a lot of people who are in like the course creation space, like create membership sites and stuff like that. And one of the big questions people always ask is, well, how do I get like a membership going with like, like, because doesn't it kind of count on there being a lot of people like so that you can have a good thriving community and everything. So like, what do you do when there's, when they're, when they're just trickling in, right. When there's one, two, three, you know, three, like these really small numbers. Um, and so what you can, what you can do to sort of, and, and, and more so even than like, figuring out that community is selling it to other people. Like what, how are you going to sell that to somebody? And like, they think they're coming into this big community, but then there's only three mm -hmm. people there or whatever. So what you do is you actually turn that around, you flip it and, and you say, you know, look, because you're getting in at the very beginning, we're going to be able to spend intimate time together. Like we're going to be able to talk one-on-one -on -one and we can even like design the community and the training and everything around our conversations and, and, and you'll get a discount because we're, this is the beta group and we're just trying this out, you know? And, and so you can actually take that perceived negative thing and then sell it and, and market it that way. Um, to where they're, you know, they're helping create something. And so that's just one example, but you can do that all over. So the, so the twist in that sense might be, oh, well, here's this thing that, that, that could be bad, but we're going to throw a twist in and make it good. Right. Um, I think hmm. that, that probably applies. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. Um, okay. Very good. So I'll move into my last one. And that is using trial closes to draw readers into the story. Now I have a term to define here. So a trial close, a, a trial close is a sort of, um, honestly, the best way to put it is just that it's a question. It is a, a, a question that is strategically inserted at the right time. Um, in order to gain early trust with with people and frankly to get them saying yes long mm. before you ask for the sale right so in my yeah in my world we, we we do story selling right so we're constantly trying to like it, it's all leading to a moment where we're going to ask somebody to exchange dollars for goods or services like everything we do at the end of the day is leading to that moment. And so what you want is you don't want the first, the first time that you give somebody an opportunity to say yes or no. And honestly, what you typically try to do is not even give them an opportunity to say no, right? The typical advice is give them three options to say yes to, right? Um, or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, or at least two options to say yes to. Um, but regardless, you don't want the first time they have a, a chance to give you feedback or opinion to be, when you're asking for the sale. So, so for example, 
you know, all along, all along the way throughout a sales presentation or a sales argument at all, you're asking things like, can you see how this is possible? What would it mean for your family if you were mm. able to make an extra thousand dollars a month? Isn't that, a, or like you tell like this, uh, a testimonial, some awesome story of transformation that a client or customer had as a result of using your product or service. It's like, do you see what Jenny did? Like, do you <laughs> think that you could, do you think that you could, if you worked for this, that, and if you did this, if you did that, if you did this, do you think that you could see the same? results that jenny did mm. um etc 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 frankly anytime somebody like i say the word right a lot you know hey see this right anytime i say that that's technically a trial close what i want somebody to do is be nodding their head along with me the entire time and then when you you know when, when you say yeah are you ready to buy my thing that head still nodded everybody nod with steve right everybody nod yes we're nodding together um and, and so now so what, what about, no, because I use this in a non-sales context as, as well. So as a, as a nonfiction writer, again, when I write books that are made to be more informational, the way I use this is by asking questions as we, as we go along to help them um, either put themselves in a, in, put the reader in a particular position or uh, like in somebody else's shoes, for example, mm-hmm. or to, or to you know, consider. So instead of saying, you know, um, fact, 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 you know, whatever fact, instead of writing a sentence that was like this fact, I might, I might instead ask it as a question and say, have you ever considered that? And then Mm. do it that way and give them a minute to consider it to think. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Give, give them a minute to think. So you're inviting people. And, and the way I put it was to draw them into the story um, by, um, yeah, by, by inviting them to, to think and to ask questions of themselves. Um, and so that's one way to use it in informational stuff. But then in sales, what it's more of like getting them to say yes all along the way. Gotcha. So, that's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's any way you can employ that in fiction at all, but, but, you know, I don't know, maybe, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know. I I don't know what you could do with that. Maybe you have to think about that one. I I think I probably, I think I probably would. Um, the only thing that I can see about relating it to is to, um, can't really ask, you know, the question or get the reader to nod along with you like that. But one thing that can help is, um, getting into the main character's mind about something. And um, kind of leading the reader on into, I guess, just kind of being on their side. Say if it's like a trickster type of person. And uh, I'm just kind of getting them to fall for one way or another. That's the only thing that I can kind Uh, of compare to. uh, No, I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's 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 pretty cool. All right. Well, that's it. Um, Ten tips, right? I mean, ten. Here we go. Five tips, ten tips, whatever, to make a story more interesting i think these were really good and really helpful and so. uh, we go through these tips and uh, you know really hope that it it'll help people where um you put it into action whether you want to write something fictional or whether you want to incorporate it and in. even if you don't want to actually sit down and write a story or write nonfiction, maybe it'll help somehow in your job that you're at or in your church organization or with your friends just incorporating some of these skills and ideas into some aspect of your life to uh to help out in those areas yeah yeah 100 percent. um i think these are all things that can be very applicable to your day-to-day life and um yeah i mean they um you might not all write fiction you might not all be marketers but like like you're always trying to be persuasive though and you're always yep. trying to be a more interesting person and so Absolutely. you can use these tips to do all of those things i think definitely um, 
All right, your story of the week, Alex. Let's hear it. My story of the week, going back to Elon again. Oh, Elon man, Musk. Elon. I love it. Oh, you, so cool. Did you? I don't know if you... I think it was today that came out. He offered to outright buy Twitter yep. for $42 yep. billion. Yeah. And yep. I haven't done the math on whether it's a good price or not, but it seems like that he's offering to buy the shares at a pretty decent price. Um, I haven't had the time today to really look into it, but... Yeah, I mean, apparently yeah. the board said they were going to look into the offer. I, Elon's just crazy. And and some people are upset because they think that he's just doing it as a ploy or what's his real reason. But I don't know. I just love a little bit of chaos. And I just love that. I he, know that he has the money where he can where it's plausible where this he's not just throwing it, it out. Happen. People are laughing it away. Yeah. It's like, oh, my gosh, he actually could buy twitter <laughs> he's he's that's the thing it's like he's the only person that i can think of who has the you know frankly whatever if i'm gonna say this the right way but the fiduciary capacity to yep. be able to actually back up his chaos right like like yep. he can he has not only like a lot of people stir chaos online that's nothing new but yep. he can stir the pot and do something about it which is yep. not something that most people can do and um, it's it's funny because like if if bill gates came out and announced if bill gates has you know purchased some big companies like he he's not afraid to invest and, and spend money um he's a pretty smart guy but if bill gates came out and said hey i'm offering to buy twitter I would just kind of shake my head and think, eh, eh, that's, that's that kind of that's kind of yeah, kind of right? odd. Or if uh, any other billionaire out there, but because it's Elon Musk, it's just like that's classic Elon. Like, why not buy? Twitter? I know, <laughs> I know, and it's it's so it's so uh, man, it's so it's so interesting to see like how he just kind of has arose as this bastion for free speech. I just again, I just have to say, I love seeing. I love seeing these people who like, you know, they're not like Christians. They're not like Trumpists or like anything like that with, with some sort of hardcore, you know, like agenda. It's just like they understand the basic fundamental premise that humans need to be able to speak freely with one another or, yeah, else, absolutely. or else the world shuts down. Yeah. Like and it's we have to be able to, to see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's super, Absolutely. it's super duper refreshing to see that. And so I, you know, whatever, I mean, you know, I applaud, I, that's where I come down on that. Right. I applaud his efforts. I mean, I think, Definitely. yeah, let's do it, man. Like what, like Buy take Twitter. it over and he's, they're, they're not, um, um, I don't know. It doesn't sound like Twitter is going to entertain it. Um, it sounds like, that's what it sounds that's like, what it sounds like. Yeah. It sounds and like maybe they're going to, they're going to push it out, but he's got a plan B. He's ready to go with, 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 <laughs> his own platform or at least that, he's that's gonna get a that yeah. would get a lot of people oh that would get a lot of oh. people oh a um, thousand percent and i know, love seeing the the polls that he's putting out have you been seeing these yes, too? like he put, he's putting out these I, Twitter I vote polls. on them i vote on them <laughs> yeah i do yeah i do too mostly um, just because i want to see yeah exactly um but what's yeah, even funnier than just him offering to buy twitter itself is the sequence of events that led up to it how within a matter of a few days it's oh wow elon bought 10 percent of the stock and then oh he's not going to join the board of directors that's kind of odd i guess he doesn't want to be involved to no i want to buy it <laughs> right this is so great i know i know I'm, I'm, i love it i'm looking at this i'm looking at this one poll Taking Twitter private at 5420 should be up to shareholders, not the board, right? 84% mm. yes to 16% no. 
1.8 million votes with 16 <laughs> hours left. Yeah. I'm just like, who else could stir that much chaos? And Two and if the, if the numbers are – I mean, those are – look, look. I People are thinking, oh, well, out of all the whatever millions, billions users that are on Twitter, that's not that many. That's not – that's not the point. The point is that that's a statistically significant, like right. you yeah. can do something with those numbers. Yeah. And those numbers suggest that the vast majority on people of people on Twitter are on Elon's side of this, um, you know? And, and so it's really interesting. It's, it's an interesting story. It's developing. It I'll be honest. I'm keeping up with it way more than I keep up with anything else. News wise. because I <laughs> yeah, just find this, I just it's find this so interesting. And here's the thing. If the Twitter thing doesn't work out, it's going to be in whatever his own platform is. He's already said this. I mean, it is, it is happening. He will have a platform. I think he was just really, really trying to work with to the, give one. Yeah. To give, well, to give the users of Twitter what they want. Yeah. To give the right to get the users of Twitter the platform that they really, really want. Yeah. And they're already there or, or, or whatever. There's there, you don't have the cost of switching. You know, if anything, you're gonna lose, you know, some people who probably right. shouldn't have been on there anyway. So yeah. um okay. Your story. So that's really fascinating. My story, just one word, Zettelkasten. Okay, that's oh. all. And I hope you folks have a great night. You know, <laughs> you know that, that's part of my everyday vernacular. Yeah, you know exactly what that means, right? So um, so Zettelkasten is a is a uh, I guess German word that that means like slip box. Okay, is, is something like what it means. And so um, what this is 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 this uh, system of note taking that is um, what's the best way to describe this? It, it's note taking in a way that is oriented towards developing your own ideas. Okay. So a, a fundamental part about being human is sharing. It's not merely consuming. So a lot of, a lot of us consume information. We listen to, you know, hundreds of podcasts, we read hundreds of books, we consume hundreds of articles or, or whatever, mm -hmm. but like we're, we're going to remain in that factory worker mindset as long as we're just taking in information. And so like, what this system sort of assumes is that we we're kind of lying to ourselves when we highlight a book instead of instead of taking notes on the book and not just writing down what the author said but using it to form your own ideas and so this Zettelkasten method um there's a book about it called how to write smart notes um by Sanka Arens I think is how you say his name and he he talks about this again Zettelkasten system by this um, um, Lumen um, character who really used it and made it popular uh, throughout the 1900s and he was a voracious publisher. I mean he wrote like 90 books or whatever. Uh, there's a lot of uh, posthumous, posthumous whatever work mm -hmm. that uh, has been done in his name as just a result of his notes. And th the fundamental premise is that you have three types of notes. You have a fleeting note, you have a literature note, and then you have a permanent note. And the way that this works is your fleeting notes are just your random things that interest you throughout the day that you take take a note on. Um, your literature note is, okay, I'm sitting down to read this article or to watch this video or to read this book, and I'm going to, I'm going to notice things that I might want to either – either retain in my memory and learn something about or share something about with others later. And so as I come across something interesting like that, that speaks to me, I immediately go to my note and take a literature note on that thing. Mm -hmm. And the point is to take the author's original idea and think 
in the process of writing. So this is writing as thinking. It's not, oh, I'm going to think and then write. No, like the writing is the thinking. And so you're actually thinking about this and developing what they say into your own idea. And then <clears throat> the, the final piece is the permanent note. And what that is, is you take your literature notes and your fleeting notes, and some of them can just be tossed by the wayside or put in the trash or just whatever. Um, but the ones that that really stick and are, are meaningful, you sort of put them into your into your archive, into your Zettelkasten, right? Into your permanent notes. And your permanent note on a particular thing will be um, such that the idea is complete enough that it could be shared with somebody and help somebody understand the idea apart from any prior context. Mm -hmm. So you're reading a book, pr practically speaking, right? You're reading a book. You say, oh, this is an interesting thing the author said. You write the literature note based on what they said and some original, some of the ideas. Then you go to your permanent note at the end of the day or whatever, and you process that into a permanent note and you give it enough context and thought around it that you could hand this to somebody who had never read the book before and understand the basic concept as you have sort of understood it, defined it, and and made it your own, um, you know, without any prior context. So mm. it sounds really complicated. It is kind of complicated, but it's also not. <laughs> um, it, it's also not what it is. It is a it is a way of note taking and a way of writing that it's actually really popular. There's all there's a Reddit thread for it. There's tons of YouTube videos you can see where where people are employing this and. Um, just in my own life, I am very interested. I love, I've always been a note guy. Um, I used an app called Evernote for the longest time until they really went downhill. Um, now I use an app called Bear. Uh, it's only for Mac and iOS, but it's, it's, it's fantastic. You can do all this deep linking. And the idea of the system is not just to take these notes, but, but, but it's about linking them together, mm. about, about creating references from note to note not just categorizing them and again i'll just kind of say like at the at the philosophical level it, it it's totally meant to turn on this head turn on its head the idea that like you brain what you do especially when you're doing academic type of writing and stuff is brainstorm topics and then say oh this is a great topic and then pick a topic and then research a topic and then write you know it's like it's like these linear like these, this linear progression of doing things. But he said that, you know, it's like they said, that's not really how humans work or think. Rather, humans study and they research and they learn and every mm -hmm. day they're taking in new content. And so the interesting things are the things that are worthy of discussion um, in real life. What they do is they sort of rise up from the, from the, from the top. And so this is a note taking method that allows you to do that. And as you start linking things and creating connections between things, you see new connections where other people never saw them before. And this is, this is what allows you to create original ideas. And this, this actually helps you answer the question of what's worth even talking about at all. Hmm. Um, it's literally answered by the reading and the research that you're doing. So a super short, like practical way of thinking about this is maybe like, like I'm interested in a lot of different things. You know, I'm interested in diet and exercise and I'm also interested in marketing and I'm also interested in uh, philosophy and religion and stuff like that. And so like I read across all of that spectrum. And so there are some ideas that would certainly bubble up to the surface that they all sort of have in common. But as long as you're treating them as if they're silos, 
you're never going to make those connections. Whereas if you're constantly taking notes on them and seeing how thoughts from this thing link to thoughts from this thing and thoughts from this other thing over here, um, it all just kind of bubbles up to the surface. So pretty cool. Um, it's, it's really, if you're into note taking at all, it's a very, very fascinating thing. And if you're not into note taking, well, what are you like, what are you doing with your life? You should definitely be into note taking. Um, and this system is a really cool way to, to do it. So awesome. Cool. I'll have to look into yeah. it, Steve. You should, as yeah, everyone it's should. Exciting. It's, yes, I, I, yes, I think so. Or else they are um, in moral violation of human code. So, um, or Absolutely. something like that. So, anyway, Degenerate. okay, man, this has been good, right? Um, this is fun. Another great episode yeah. in the books. All right. All right. Um, you guys take care. Uh, thanks for listening. Again, share the podcast with others if you find it to be something interesting and helpful for you. And we'll see you in the next one. See ya. <laughs>